is the Paul Kurtman Show on News Talk STL. Good afternoon, St. Louis. That sounded great, Leah. Thanks for getting that uh, mixed up for me. What do you mean? Not mixed up, but, you know, put that together. The Paul Kurtman Show intro. Oh, yeah. That's the first time I actually heard it on air, and it sounded really good, but I noticed that you played it with Dude Looks Like a Lady, so I'm a little... (laughs) I don't know if I should be offended. I don't know if you did that on purpose. No, I didn't. But that music will go really well with our Libs of TikTok segment later today, um, because... If you've been listening for any amount of time to the Paul Kirkman Show on Saturdays here at Newstalk STL from 12 to 1 every Saturday, you'll know that every Saturday in the third segment, we do libs of TikTok. So we're going to talk about a number of things today. We have a special guest in studio with Leah and I uh, this afternoon. It is Sonny Wilson. I've known Sonny for a few years now. and uh, Five, six years. Probably five or six years in the political environment when I was still elected, when I had to run for state auditor. Sonny, good to be having you in the studio today. Well, thanks for having me. It's a blast. I know that you and I have haven't had the opportunity to be on the radio. Even we had an opportunity we way have, back. We've got we have had opportunities <laughs> to be behind mics on podcasts and all yeah. kinds of things. Right. And uh, here we are now at News Talk STL having an opportunity just to have a little chat. And of course, we've talked a lot throughout the years right. on political issues. But you have kind of an interesting background. Um, you are what a lot of people, a lot of, what a lot of guys would like to be in the sense that you have a very deep um, understanding and knowledge and experience in competition in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, yeah, well, you can't tell by what I look like right now. But, uh, yeah, in uh, 2015, I, I placed uh, second in, in Worlds as a silver medalist. Pan American Games, silver too. Just couldn't get that gold. Um, but that was at the 137 weight class. And if you whoa, look at whoa, me now, wait a minute, 137, <laughs> 137. That is, that's little. Yeah, because I would start. I would at, at that point. I was 178 when I started cutting, and it's it takes a lot to do it. But I have a lot of experience because I started wrestling when I was six. So when I was in high school, I was wrestling 112, 119. Man, and I'm the same height. So so are you saying before the competition you were at 178 and you cut all the way down into the 130s? Yes. Actually, oh when I stepped goodness. on the scale, I think I was 135. I was actually a little below. So you cut almost 40 pounds to enter just that one competition? For that for the Worlds, yes. That is that is wild. I mean, I know people cut weight and usually when people cut weight for um, you know, for weddings. MMA, <laughs> yeah, for weddings or MMA or boxing, you know, we're right. talking like maybe 10, 15 pounds. They're trying to lose the bulk, they're trying to get down, but 40 pounds that seems pretty extreme. Well, this is the thing with the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, on the world circuit, you actually have to have your gi on, and that's your outfit. We call it the pajamas, whatever you want to call it. And you step on the scale. So that adds to your pounds. Yeah. Because those are not those are not lightweight. No. No, they're thick. Articles of clothing. What we do is we buy high-level ones that will weigh like 1.8 pounds because it's down to the ounces that we do it. And the thing is, that's different from MMA or boxing. They usually have a day to recoup, replenish themselves. Mm-hmm. They weigh you, they escort you to the mat, you fight. Oh man! So, so you can't you can't like pound water really, or go get a bunch of calories in you and no. get ready for the next day. Right. You you can start after your your first match. In, in the worlds, depending on how your bracket is, you could have six seven fights. It could be very quick between the two, or it could be a long hours between. It's just, you never know. So why Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? So like when you first started doing martial yeah. arts, did you do anything else, or, or how how 
how old were you when you got started? Okay. And then why did you pick Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Well, that's a good question. I tell you what. Uh, if have you ever heard of Krav Maga? Yes. Okay. Well, which is which is like a Israeli or Russian form of it's martial It's Israeli hand to hand combat. Okay. Where they, teach their commandos. So I was training in that and actually was an instructor. So we would train air marshals, FBI. And my teacher, Sam Sade, who runs Alpha Krav Maga, he was uh, one of the commandos that they had from Israel brought over to train U.S. soldiers and so forth. So I started training with him and the ground you have to perfect. So he sent me to a school that was actually local that actually has some of the, the, the largest of the world champions right in St. Charles County, which is most people have no idea. J.W. Wright, I'll give you a shout out. Good friend of mine. Um, he's a Pan-American world champion, very accomplished. Uh, he trains underneath. We train underneath Horler Gracie. Mm-hmm. So our lineage that we treat right from the source. And that's what it was. So when I was training with the, the commandos, they want us to have the purest form of jujitsu. And that's what we did. So that's what got you into Brazilian. Yeah. How long ago was that? Oh, How long before you started that, before you were competing at the Pan American Games? Uh, I started competition probably two months in. Oh, really? Okay. Two wow. months in. So you, are, so you were already pretty well advanced in the skill? No, not really, because it's so different. Mm-hmm. You know, having grappling background, wrestling, it's so different. I'd say that wrestling is checkers, and I don't want to, you know, talk bad about wrestling, and jiu-jitsu is chess. And what I like about jiu-jitsu, it gives you an overall look in life. Because, as you know in politics, the short game, you don't last long. Yep. you got to pay that long game. Yep. And you know that. Because, I mean, look what you're doing with yourself right now. You've been, you've been a state representative. The next step, the next step, you have a plan, and you know where you're going. And jiu-jitsu, same thing. You have to think three, four, five moves ahead of your opponent. Otherwise, you get behind. And just like like I said, politics, same thing. You'll you'll be left behind mm-hmm. if you're not planning. Got to have a strategy. Absolutely. Yeah, I I did uh, jujitsu for a little bit when I was living in Wisconsin. Um, something I'd love to get back into, love to get my kids into it. But I've always enjoyed the martial arts, especially the ones where you have to have a strategy. You have to yes. have real technique, and it's not you know it's not just a matter of like you watch the Karate Kid, you know, and they're always doing these forms and right. And I've I've always felt like you know in an ideal situation, you know, doing those three moves in a row might all work out, you know, like if you're just doing it in the air. But when I got an opportunity in the Marine Corps mm-hmm. uh, to do mixed martial arts, and I was a mixed martial arts instructor for a few years. Oh, nice. And, okay. I, and so I had a little bit of background, and then I went to Wisconsin. I was able to do some, like, just straight, like, real jujitsu, you uh-huh. know, BJJ, and uh, really enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. I think I think more people ought to do it. I think law enforcement ought to be doing it on a regular basis. I think it's, yeah. I think it's just a good thing for people to do, not just because you learn good skills, but I think it, like you said, yeah. it gives you a mindset. And what you but, say, like with the cops too, you know, that's what we did uh, with Hoyler Grace. So we, we were trained the uh, FBI here, the local one, the branch, um, and that's what it does. It, we would show, like the incident we had with Floyd, you know, how they were putting the pressure on, on the body. There's different tactics you could do on across the, the back where you can have them pinned, but you won't crush the air out of them. And that's the thing is, too, is I, I tell you, law enforcement, take jiu-jitsu, it really is. And like I said, it'll give you clarity how to hold someone, know mm-hmm. when, if you need to hurt them, and when not to. Yeah. And still have them restrained. Real discipline. Exactly. Real discipline. So, you, so uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, world-class athlete, um, you've also got a background in business. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, self-employed, started my own company. I didn't go to college. Uh, I was actually uh, on my way to have a scholarship, got injured, uh, didn't have a plan. 
<laughs> I didn't have a plan. And that's when I learned very young. You better have a plan. Yeah. And uh, so I decided, well, I'm going to get into insurance investment. So I got my series license, insurance license. And, you know, I started in, in the hardest part you could possibly do. And that was door to door selling life insurance mm-hmm. down here in the city. Mm. And it helped sharpen my my sales skills and yeah. people skills. I tell you what, going door to door. Now, I have a background in uh, my current you know, private sector job is uh-huh. uh, investments. I, right. I have an investment advisory firm. When I first got started in the industry, it was in 2008, going door to door during the Great Recession, trying to find clients to oh, let me manage yeah. their investments. So, you know, the market's tanking; it's dropping like right. 800 points a day, and I'm I'm asking people, "So, how are your how's your money doing?" <laughs> you know, and it, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Like going door to door, like you really cut your teeth on people skills. Oh, you do. And and, and actually think about this as your constituents, how to deal with them. Mm-hmm. You got certain people who are excited, enthusiastic, you got some are a little in the middle, and then you got the irate ones. And, you know, that it does. It, everything leads to one place. That's right. All these skills you start building, with it is martial arts, military background with you, state representative, it, it, your, your skill levels is building and building, you know. Who knows who's what's next for you, Paul? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, you know, you know. I harp on you about <laughs> where where you could go next. So. Well, I uh, I love the markets. I love mm-hmm. the markets. Maybe someday we can have a conversation just about the markets. I think that there's a lot of people thinking about stuff like investments right now mm-hmm. with what we see happening on happening right now in the world with or right. in the country with yield curves going up or inverting and what that means as far as recessions right. and everything else. But uh, certainly when you're talking about people's money and you're going door to door to talk to people about right. their money. Or about, in your case, insurance or life insurance. Right. Let's talk about your death. You know, <laughs> you get, you have to get familiar with people and build relationships quick. And, you know, all these skills, they do, they do add up. But jujitsu, business, and then politics. And then you come into politics. So kind of like me and like many other people that wind uh-huh. up in politics, you kind of, you, you have kind of a choppy path getting there. <laughs> that's, that's a nice way of saying yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how did, how did this happen? Because like you've got, you've been down to the border. We'll talk about a little bit about that in the second segment. Mm-hmm. Then we'll talk a little bit about things that we're seeing on libs of TikTok. Okay. Uh, in the second segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the midterm elections. Carl Rove is on Fox News. Uh, just the other day, and mm-hmm. he had some things to say about some of the backlash regarding the the border crisis that Joe Biden is literally creating. Like, it's, I mean, it's almost like he's planning this, like he's manufacturing. It, it looks a, obvious, right? Yeah, it looks obvious. Same thing that happened in Europe when they had the influx of all the people from the Middle East when they were mm. pushing all the immigrants into Germany. Yes. It's a, it's the same thing. They had road signs. Here you go. Go to this direction. They had stop points, you know, checkpoints to give them supplies to make sure they get there. It's the same formula. Well, when in the second segment when I play this uh, clip from Carl Rove, I want to I want to get your thoughts on that cuz this going to hugely infect the midterm elections. But how did you first get involved in politics? What's the story there? Well, you know, I've always been uh, interested, at, even at a young age, probably geek-wise, you know, at, you know, 16, 17, being involved. I loved it, watching it. Um, probably my biggest introduction was finding the movement was the Ron Paul movement, mm-hmm. uh, because I was so inspired by him and what he stood for. And everything he kept on, he, the establishment would say, well, he'll, he won't win. You're, you're wasting your vote. And I, I say, I don't care if I'm wasting my vote. This is the person who represents me. I'm going to vote for him. So... After the stolen part there with him, I do think Mitt Romney lost. I think uh, Ron Paul did win. Um, I decided to run for mayor in my local town, Darden Prairie. Uh, unfortunately, the the person who I thought I was going to run against, she resigned. And the chairman of the St. Charles County GOP was picked to be the, the mayor. 
It's already mm-hmm. too late. I already told people I was going to run. So being new into politics, running a race, I ran against the chairman of St. Charles County GOP. And it, it was a uh, battle. It was. I was called a rhino. Uh, they, they said I was a UFC, you know, I was a UFC fighter. I, it was, you know, and all these stories because I really wasn't known. I just came out of nowhere. I nearly beat him. And it, it shocked them. You, you know what? And for the people that haven't been involved in politics or campaigns, I have kind of have a similar uh, story when I first ran for state representative. And so people talk about the establishment, you know. And if you come out of nowhere to run the establishment, they want to defeat you. They want to make sure you don't go anywhere. Right. Because in the Republican establishment, and I'm using that as a very loose term. I'm not using that in a negative way right now. I'm using that in a term, you know, like people that have been involved and invested in their local Republican Party. They've been around the block. They're known in for a Republican organization in their county, for example. If all of a sudden some guy just shows up, and this was me in 2010. I'm running for state representative. They were like, oh, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. You haven't paid your dues yet. Yes. You need to go out and do X, Y, and Z, and you need to, you need to get uh, beat up, you know, a little bit out here politically speaking. Yeah. I had people, I had Republicans in Franklin County that were on the Central Committee that put out uh, yard signs for my Democrat opponent because they just didn't want me. That's win. pretty drastic. That's pretty drastic. Yeah, they're not on the they're not on the central committee anymore. That's to good. Say. <laughs> Make a list. That's what I do. I, I have a list. <laughs> I slowly cross enough names. So how close did it come in that race for you? Uh, it was a couple hundred votes difference. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was pretty close. Um, and actually, you know, I, I I didn't say anything bad about Dave, um, the chairman. Uh, I held myself, you know, I didn't want to say any negativity. Um, I graciously, you know, told him, you know, good congratulations. We came back together. Um, he was shocked. He goes, well, we're going to start forming this election committee on training candidates how to run a campaign. Would you be interested? I said, absolutely. So I was one of the chair people on that, uh, putting everything together, how to work a door campaign, because door to door is what I had experienced, and this is why I say one thing always leads to another one, mm-hmm. was life insurance because I knew my number. And when I mean my number is I knew how many doors I needed to knock on, how many people that would open the door, talk to me, or let me in. Same thing with politics, knocking a door campaign. And that's why I trained those people to do. Then after that, um, I did make a, a, a small attempt to run for state representative. I stepped out, endorsed a, a person who was more experienced. And then I took a job with the RNC, who I was rented out from the GOP. And that's where you and I really got to really know each other yeah. even more. Uh, I knew you before that. but uh, And working on the campaigns for counties in Missouri, running their field director uh, position, it was interesting because I got to work with every candidate. It was from judge, state rep, the U.S. Senate races, everything. And by being trained by the RNC, it tuned my skills even more. And I've carried that on even today, doing other campaigns na- nationally, locally. I'm all over the place. Yeah, there, you there's, are. There's you no are. race too small. I've, I've seen you at the border. You got connections in New York, and yeah, I mean, just all over the place. So uh, that's why I want to get your thoughts, you know, on these midterm elections, you know, that are that are going to be coming up and some of the issues. Uh, this is Paul Kerbin, Paul Kerbin Show, in the studio today with Leah and our special guest, Sonny Wilson. Make sure you join us in the second segment right here, News Talk STL 1019 and 941. You're listening to the Paul Kerdman Show on News Talk STL. Talk 
Another great song by Leah. Leah, I have noticed that they haven't played a lot of music from my playlist. Is that me? Do you hear that? Yeah, that's... that's. There we go. That was me on my end. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. Sorry if you heard a little static there. Hey, I'm going to have to actually... I actually just unplugged something. I'll have to plug it back in so we can play this Carl Rove clip. Um... I'll just go ahead and jump right into this. So these midterm elections are coming up. So Title 42. Title 42 is a Trump-era rule uh, that allows... That had allowed President Trump to quickly and immediately deport illegal immigrants Mm -hmm. due to the COVID pandemic, right? Which only makes sense. We don't want people coming into the country. They shut down flights. Biden did the exact same thing. Shut down travel whenever they had another surge or another variant come out. So Trump, under Title 42, said, hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're not letting people fly in. We're certainly not going to let people come across the border, stay illegally. If we get anybody that's illegal, we are immediately sending them back to the country that they came from. It wasn't just a Mexican thing. It wasn't just a Canadian thing. Whatever, whatever country in the world. Biden is trying to put a complete uh, squash to, chi- to Title 42. And recently, a bunch of U.S. senators have come out and they said, well, we are against anything Biden is trying to do with Title 42. We want to make sure we keep it so we can reserve the right to send everybody back. So, Carl Rove was just on Fox News talking a little bit about this. Um, I don't know if you got me potted up over here, Leah, but I'm going to go ahead and play this. Good to go. I'll go ahead and play this clip, and we'll hear a little bit of thoughts from Carl Rovin about how this particular immigration issue uh, could substantially affect the midterm elections. All right. Any second. But but here are... um Here's the list of senators, one, two, three, four, five. Five of them are Democrats that oppose dropping Title 42. Um, call for number five, guys. And just as a backdrop here, Carl, this was the headline from March 20th. Fauci says U.S. unlikely to see surge from new COVID-19 variant. All right. That's from March 20th. But this headline from yesterday where we are likely to see a surge in the fall. So Fauci's seen it both ways over the past three weeks. You think about what his position is. You think about these Democratic centers up for re-election in November are. I think Title 42 arguably could come back yet again over the next several weeks. Your view it is what? Well, first of all, you put your finger on one of the most important things. The people on the Democratic side who have come out in favor of this are up for election this year in vulnerable Democrats in battleground states, and they recognize how volatile this is. The president's approval on the handling of immigration last year, in March of last year, was 40 percent. Today, it is 32 percent. And if we see 18,000 people a day coming across the border... Uh, then we're going to see those numbers sink even lower. I I loved it. Jen Psaki said it's the federal government's responsibility to enforce the immigration laws, not the state. So therefore, he can't do it. Well, when is the federal government going to start enforcing the law? Okay, that's Carl Rove talking a little bit about Title 42. And we got all these senators, many of which are Democrat. And what's interesting is both Kristen Sinema and uh, Senator Kelly, both of them from Arizona, Mm -hmm. both of them. 
Kristen Sinema has is much more of an independent. Kelly, much more of a Democrat establishment, old guard, liberal type. Right. Um, but both of them are saying, hey, we need to keep Title 42. We need to keep this Trump era rule to allow us to send illegal immigrants back. So 18,000 people a day coming across the border. If we if if Title 42 is not there anymore and the states don't have the ability to send people back, uh, I think that Karl Rove is absolutely right. We're going to see these numbers plummet even further. President Biden's approval rating on the border right now, 32 percent. We could see it drop down to 22 percent. Right. But people across the country are going to be speaking out on the midterm elections on this issue. You've been to the border. I have. Um, you've, you know Joe Arpaio. Yes, you know, toughest sheriff in uh, America. Toughest sheriff in America. In pink pink uh, underwear, uh, Korean uh, military army tents in the courtyard, you know, feeding them. Uh, it wasn't even bologna. It was something. It was He was a vegan. So he's a vegan. He doesn't eat meat. He made Did his prison. Yeah, he actually had it down. Uh, the cost per prisoner per day was like a dollar eighty. That's what he. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and they. But he's a very frugal guy. So, but talking about the border, when I went down there with sheriff, actually on the border, watching this and what was taking place, Paul, there would be these hills, and on on one side you would just see clothing, jackets, pants, bags, and I looked at him. I said. What is that? Why Why is there so much there? He goes, as soon as they get over, they dump everything. As soon as they, wait, as soon as they cross from Mexico into America? America. They dump everything. They rip everything off. There's no notification, nothing. So then they won't be deported. And and that's why, I mean, there's a, hillsides this filled. Of so, just, so are you saying like they bring a change of clothes? So as soon as they cross the border, bam, they put on cleaner, fresher clothes, maybe look a little bit dump, more. They, they just dump anything they have. Some of these people are traveling for, for days, weeks, mm-hmm. months. So when they get there, there's they were told, and that's what they do. They just shed everything, identification, clothing, everything. And it looks like they just crossed over from Mexico. But a lot more Guatemalans are coming from Panama. They're coming from all of, as you know, they're, they're coming from four countries from Europe. Yeah. The Middle East. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. What about Carl Rove is really kind of irritates me is this. He's now speaking about this. Yeah. You know, when he was yeah. with the Bush administration, what did they do there? They don't have any credibility. It's just they want to point fingers at Biden. They had the same problem. Yeah. They didn't do anything. Did they build the wall? No. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't build the wall. He was President Bush was not strong on immigration issues. No. But what he's saying about how this is going to affect the midterms, I absolutely, I, I completely agree with him. I think that this is going to have a huge effect on the midterm elections. I don't believe. First of all, we have been for the last two years being told you can't have a job, you can't, uh, you got to close your doors. There's a pandemic. Got to wear right. a mask. Pandemic. Kids can't go to school. Pandemic. Oh, you need to fly. Uh, overseas, or you need to fly anywhere across the country, or even into Canada. Nope, can't do it. But then on the flip side, just the crazy hypocrisy here. They keep the southern border open, and they won't even answer questions about people coming across the border uh, as far as getting a vaccine. Are they going to get a vaccine? And then Jen Psaki spins it. Oh, of course, we encourage everybody to get a vaccine. Oops, next question. Right. So I think, I believe that he's right, but these poll numbers, I don't think it's just people are upset about illegal immigration. I think a lot of people are upset about being treated like worthy illegal immigrants, right. and they're letting all these people come across the southern border without documentation, while the rest of us have been under this despotic rule from federal, state, and local politicians for two years. You know, Paul, I, I tell you what, I think everybody needs to change their mindset about this. You were in the military. When you have an influx of 18,000 people c- crossing the border, what do you call that? An invasion. It's an invasion. That's mm-hmm. what it is. We need to start calling this an invasion. 
we need to start taking more of a military look approach to this. And, you know, say if we want to have this article to stop them from coming over, we need to send our military down there. We need it. And if, and if the, if the military won't do it, like the governors in Texas, Arizona, we put those people in the front line and stop it. And, and you bring up a good point. You know, right now, President Biden, Jen Psaki says this, hey, it's the federal government's responsibility to enforce the border. That's true. Article four, I think it's article four of the U.S. Constitution, the federal government's responsible for protecting the borders, right? Right. But whenever states joined the union, there that constitution is a contract between the states and between the states and the federal government. And if you have another party, you've been in business, I've been in business, there's a lot of people who have uh, experience with contracts. If the other party of the contract is not upholding their obligation, mm-hmm. you know, that, that you believe they have according to the contract when you entered the agreement, well then, that kind of puts it back on you, or means you need to take it to the courts. But yeah, breach of contract. It's a breach of contract, so if they're not doing it, the states absolutely have a right to do uh, what they had a right to do in the first place, which is protect their border. They just signed a contract through the Constitution saying we want the federal government to do it. But the, fe- the states cannot give the federal government authority that the states don't already have or have had in the past. Paul, you know that point you just bring up. How many people out there really know that? No, it, 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 2%. It, exactly. And this is nothing they're saying that this is destroying our, our you know, democracy. That is one thing I tell you what. You take nails on a chalkboard. <sighs> When I hear this is our democracy, that's what it is to me. Because we don't. We have a constitutional republic. Yeah, we have a contract. You like, know, you know. When, when you have a contract with somebody, if you hire somebody to come paint your house, yeah. you don't just stand there and vote on the color, right? Right. <laughs> you, don't go, you don't vote with the painter what color you right. want to paint your house. You enter into a contract that says, I want blue or I want yellow. The, yeah. the painter doesn't say tell you what color. He has his end of the contract. Yeah. That's what the Constitution is. That's yeah. the way that it's supposed to work. People don't see it that way, though. People, they're dumbed down. They, they are dumbed down. They, they're, they're taught wrong. Let, apply the same thinking that people have with the Constitution to every other contract that we have. Okay, let's all sign the contract. Now that we've agreed on the terms of the contract, now we'll just continue to vote on what those terms actually mean. But whoever wins is what we're actually going to go with versus what the contract actually says. It's the same thing. It's, it completely blows my mind. But people aren't taught this. They no. keep they keep getting it drilled into their head. Democracy, democracy, democracy. We have we elect our leaders democratically. Right. Sometimes we even vote for laws democratically. But we live in a republic by which we have representatives who create the rule of law for us. You know, as I, I always tell my kids this too. It's it's the things are not told is the problem because each generation goes by less and less things that the facts they know and if the kids are not curious not playing with the video games or whatever social media they're not, they're not going to take the time to look into the information themselves so what do you do they look for the quickest way is what the box is telling them the program machine and they're pushing their narrative and the thing about the border coming in this is not my big mistake they're, this is all planned right it is because they want to break Every state, that's why they're systematically taking them on planes, put them in certain states, mostly Republican-held states, because they're going to grant them voter rights. You know they're going to do it. You just know. 24? Absolutely. All right. Well, they're going to take away our mail-in ballots. Well, we're going to have real people vote. And it's going to be those illegal aliens that are going to have the ability. We could very well could be right back where we were last election. We very well could be. And, and this is not a crazy thought to think that this is what the left wants, because in New York, right, mm-hmm. they're already giving 
uh, illegal aliens. They're giving people that don't qualify to vote. They're changing the laws to now give them the opportunity to vote. And the thing about voting, I know people like to say, now this is gonna this might anger some people, but I'm gonna go back. <laughs> I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna have a little history lesson here. There is a reason. And first of all, first of all, the Constitution never prohibited women from voting. People say. Constitution prohibited people from voting. Constitution, that's why the Constitution, we needed to change it. No, 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 no. States, states, some states and some local municipalities prevented women from voting, but the U.S. Constitution never prohibited it. It just didn't address who was and who wasn't allowed to vote. Right. And according to the Tenth Amendment, that meant that it's something that belonged to the local population. But we amended the Constitution to make sure that we guaranteed the right to vote to everybody, right? But here's the thing. There is something to be said about citizenship and citizens being allowed to vote and nobody else because citizens are the ones that have skin in the game. We're the ones when we go to war, if we wind up doing what Joe Biden said and all of a sudden we all find ourselves in Ukraine, (laughs) well then, well then it's the citizens that are going to be, that are going to be called up, that are going to be drafted, the ones that they're going to be the ones wearing the body armor. Like citizenship has responsibility. Citizens should be voting. I totally agree with you. I know. I know. I'm preaching to the choir here. I know. But, but the thing is this. You're right. But so many people are misinformed. And I don't say this to insult anybody's intelligence. It's just that they have been given bad information. And they base their opinion on bad information. And I encourage people. I hope whatever thing's going on. Dig. Start reading. Look at your constitution. I mean, this document, it, it is amazing. It really is. When you really start looking at it, that they, you know, 200 plus years ago, they wrote this. And it's a shame that you see people undermine it and taking it away and misinforming people mm-hmm. and communism. Well, you know, you, you know? just said people need to be reading. People don't people don't read today. This is something that when Paul Cook was uh, in here um, for the first part of well, for the last part of 2021, every now and then we talk about books because he likes to read books and he's I really like Paul Cook. He's a really super nice guy, smart guy. But people don't read anymore. Like they'll read a headline, they'll read a headline on Facebook regardless of what website it came from, right. and they think they're informed because they saw a headline. You're As right. if the headline is informing you of anything other than what whoever wrote it wants you to think. Well, it's just like you know they'll make a comment on that and another person will go, did you actually read that? The, the article itself because it's not quite what the headline is. Yeah. And it, it, it is common. People it, want everything now. They want everything now and they think they know everything now when they when they mostly don't. When we come back, we're going to talk about something that more people need to be knowing about. We're going to play our libs of click libs of TikTok. I can't speak today. Stick around for libs of TikTok. The far left in the education system. Right here, Paul Kirvin Show, News Talk STL 1019-941. And welcome back to the third and final segment of the Paul Kirkman Show here at News Talk STL. Do us a big favor, though. If you could go to Facebook, go to Twitter, look us up at News Talk STL. Uh, make sure you give us a follow uh, because News Talk STL just puts out relevant information on a regular basis. Not just relevant, but also right. interesting information. So if you want to be... Uh, up to date and also be informed and also kind of be enlightened on just interesting information. Uh, make sure that you give us a like and a follow. Facebook, Twitter, Rumble, live streaming on Rumble. Okay. Speaking of Twitter, though, 
One of my favorite things to do on the show is Libs of TikTok. Uh, Sonny, during the break, Sonny and I were talking. Uh, he wasn't familiar with Libs of TikTok, and so I will explain it to those that are listening. The far left, they want to get their leftist cred- credentials in. And so like <laughs> like other soccer moms who are posting pictures of their kids scoring goals on a soccer field, the left takes to Twitter, they take to Instagram, and uh, they post the most outrageous stuff. This is them talking. This is them talking about things that they believe, things that they want to do, about their experiences, things that they're trying to do to affect change. Okay, A bunch of social justice warriors on steroids. But it's not just every now and then you get one of these people. These people are posting stuff every single day, hundreds of them. Lives a TikTok. Some lady, we don't know who she is, but she has uh, she scours social media, come up with the craziest stuff. So this is a video. Now listen, I just want to let you know, a lot of what the left, the left is completely obsessed with sex. Completely obsessed with it. And so it's not just enough for them to sit in their own house and be obsessed. No, they want to make sure that your kids are obsessed too. And so there's a New Jersey school, New Jersey's new sex curriculum. This is for children in elementary schools. It points elementary students to watch videos from uh, an organization or a company called Amaze. I don't know anything about this company, but here's one of their videos. We're going to go ahead and play it. And in this video, they are telling nine-year-olds to watch porn. This is New Jersey. So this is what they're playing in schools. This is what they're playing in schools. Wait, Paul, are you saying in schools? They're playing this in schools. This is a part of the New Jersey uh, sex education curriculum. Listen to this and wait till the very end to hear the last thing. It's about a minute clip. Listen to the very last thing this video says. Is it normal to watch porn? Hashtag Ask Amaze! Yes, it's normal. Lots of people watch porn. After all, it's right there and it's free. And any Okay, I'm just going to stop it right now. This is what they're telling kids. It's right there. And it's free. And it's free. That's how this video starts. This is the educational curriculum for the state of New Jersey. Anyway, many people are curious about this sex stuff. But, and it's a big but, remember... Porn is not real. It's just a fantasy, like uh, like superheroes movies. Okay, so it's just like superhero movies. This is what they're telling nine-year-olds in New Jersey. Porn is just like a superhero movie. It's not real. It's just like a superhero movie. I'm going to fast forward it just a little bit. To sound like it either. <laughs> Find out more about porn right here on Amaze. That's it. There you go. Listen, folks, you oh you God. think we're fighting for the education system? You think we're fighting to get our country back? You think we're fighting to have good schools? The left has won. They've already won. When they can play stuff like this in a school, and then if the parent wants to complain, the parent gets right. two minutes to talk at a school board meeting. And like, if they actually get... They don't agree with them. They can have them hauled off. Yeah, they'll have them hauled off. There's there were two parents. There's two fathers in Texas. After they got hauled out, after they got kicked out of a school board meeting, the next day the police showed up at their house and arrested them for what for for what they said and uh, what they did at the school board meeting. They didn't pull any stunts. They just stood up to speak out on some issues. Paul, I'm going to read this. It's a quote. I don't know who it came from, but it's it, it kind of falls right in line with this. On the internet, you can be anything you want. It's strange that some some many people choose to be stupid. 
Are they choosing to be stupid? Or are they stupid? Or are they stupid? I don't know. That's that's the debate. That is the debate. That's about Pauline. You know, I have boys. I have four boys. And uh, I tell you, it's how they have taking what sex, from what parents were the ones that would sit down and tell their kids. Um, we have now left it to our schools, which it should never have been that In way. Disney. We've left it to Disney. Yes. And, and now Disney, we have, there's transgender everything. Um, actually, as a parent, they have these forms that come into your, to, you know, the kids bring home from school to sign, you know, that they can witness it. And I always write no. And my kids are always like, Dad, everybody else is doing it. I said, I don't care if everybody else is doing it. I said, you have to understand, I'm not going to allow someone I don't even know, and if I cannot really even see the material, what they're telling you. Mm-hmm. Because everybody thinks they're safe. Oh, my school district won't do that. My school, it is you know, critical race theory, people think they'll say, well, that's on a college level. They trickle it in. They sprinkle it all over the material where you can't quite see it. It's because they don't come out and tell the kids, oh, um, you're white. You're an oppressor. You're mm-hmm. black. You're a victim. Now, here's everybody. Everybody, we're going to divide up into groups that need to be hating each other. They, do it, they don't do it that obvious. Mm-hmm. They do it through other ways. But you're talking about schools and how subtle it is. And mm-hmm. everybody thinks it's not their school. Their, my school doesn't have a problem. Here's another clip. This will blow your mind. Here's a girl who's teaching five-year-olds in a public school. Listen to this. Man, y'all thought me uh, teaching the children about me being Polly was crazy. But not only that, but they also know that I'm gender fluid. Uh, at one point last year, I had explained to them that I was not Miss Lois or Mr. Lois. It's just Lois because I'm not a boy or a girl. And this was all well and good until October when I also explained to them that I'm pagan. So I am also a witch. And at one point, I got in a haircut, and I got in the sides of my mohawk to shave down. And I come into work, and one of the children goes, Lois, are you a boy? You have short hair. And his sister goes, no, Lois is a girl. And a third child, who's my favorite, suddenly yells, no, guys, we've been over this. Lois isn't a boy or a girl. Lois is a witch. There you go. Taxpayer dollars while at work. This is a teacher in a public school. And here's the thing. This isn't just something that happens like every few months, a crazy like this shows up. This is happening every day so much that lives a TikTok. I would have to say probably 80% of all the material, and they're always posting every day, multiple posts of content. 80% 80% of the time, it's teachers in schools grooming kids. Wow. And Disney. I said this with, I was, I was on the show yesterday with Mike Ferguson, who you can hear, Mike Ferguson and uh, Gabe Pfeiffer here at Newstalk STL every morning. I was filling in for Gabe yesterday. And here's something that I said, and I think more people need to be saying this. Disney, Disney is the ice cream truck driving predator that mm-hmm. your parents warned you about. That's what Disney is today. And people need to understand that Disney and your local public school are full of people that are trying to get rid of parents in the home so that way they can take the place and tell kids who they are, who they should be, and groom them into right. their new gender fluid or whatever society. This is why Disney's all up in arms about this uh, parental rights bill. I don't think it should have stopped at third grade. I, I don't think teachers at all ought to be talking to kids right. about gender fluidity and here's what you probably are. There was a girl in uh, Florida and a girl in California. I've talked about this before on the show. They, they're killing themselves, literally hanging themselves, two girls, 
Because in school, the teachers said, oh, we think that you actually probably think you're a boy, right? And don't tell your parents we're talking about this. They actually gave a girl a boy's name at school, gave her clothing that boys would wear to masculinize her at school. But then before she went home, no, no, don't tell your parents. Don't tell your parents. Kept it from the parents. Parents come home, find their their daughter hanging from a rope in her bedroom. That's a pedophile because they say, you know, when they when that's right, the the people who predator little kids like they'll tell them, don't tell your parents, don't tell your parents. And that's exactly what we're doing. And the thing is this. But but Disney, Paul, I tell you what, Disney has been known for putting subliminal messages in their movies for for decades. You know, you've seen where they have body parts will just flash up and. It's subliminal in their mind. So MK Ultra, yeah. I know I'm going down a little bit of a rabbit hole here, people, but MK Ultra is a, a it was a paid program by the CIA, and they partnered up with different companies like Disney to put subliminal messages in people's minds to trigger them. And it sounds pictures that will they're programmed that will make them react a certain way. And I know it says sounds like we're going on a conspiracy rap hole, but look it up, MK Ultra. They have been there. How do you think where we're at right now? It, it hasn't been in overnight. Generations and generations have been doing this, and we're just now aware of what isn't present in front of us. It's taken a lot of steps. Yeah, I, I know that there's there's a lot of things. I don't I don't know anything about uh, anything about MK Ultra or anything like that, but I do know this. I know that there's not a single government official or single government agency that is stronger than the parents in this country right. if the parents will just stand up and push back. And, and people, we talked a little bit about campaigning. School People run for school board. You need to start getting serious about campaigning. You can go to as many political rallies as you want. Right. You can go to as many uh, signed waving on the side of the street. But if you're not knocking on doors and connecting with voters, if you're not serious about it, you're not going to get elected. And we need people to start running for office that are serious about protecting our rights and protecting parents' rights. Because that alone, that it could be enough to stop this. It would be enough if they would just do it. One of the first rules they ought to get rid of is this stupid rule. And we used to do this in Jefferson City, too. It's a private meeting open to the public. So we're going to let you testify. We want testimony, you know, that kind of thing. School boards do the same thing. They want your tax dollars. They don't want your accountability. Right. So, they get, so they give parents, to after sending your kids to a government school and paying taxes to keep that government school open for nine months out of the year, your kids are there. You show up for one meeting. They let you speak for two minutes. That's got to change. I'm waiting for a member of a school board to say, hey, enough is enough. If we want to start giving accountability back to parents, we're going to start giving them more time to talk. I'm waiting for a first school board member to do that. I'm waiting for the school first school board to say, hey, we're going to start changing the rules to make sure parents actually have some stake in the administration of the education of their children. That's a good one, Paul. You're right. I think you're dead on. Sonny Wilson, it's been great to have you in the hey, studio man, buddy. Always, always. I mean, a blast. I had to throw a little conspiracy stuff out there. I know. And people who know me, that's, that's my thing. <laughs> that's your thing. It is. Leah, thanks for everything that you did for us today. And of we'll course. be back next week here at News Talk SDL.